Welcome, sports fans, to the next great podcast surrounding the NFL. It's the latest catch. I'm Brent Labonte, the founder, and our partner with one of my great friends, Bryson Mercier. Today, we'll go over popular news, topics, headlines, and predictions for this upcoming week. Obviously, before we start, make sure to let other people know and continue to follow the process. Every listener matters. All right, before we hop into this episode, a uh, quick word from our sponsor. So today, uh, we got a lot of news going around the NFL. Uh, episode one of the week, obviously, but there is a ton of news circling the NFL. Uh, but first, before we talk about any NFL news, uh, I'm going to have to say the na- national holiday of the day, National Get Over It Day. And that is the perfect theme for today's episode because, to be honest with you, the Colts, you got to get over it. You just let go of Carson Wentz. Just get over it, guys. I know they're not too sad about it, but they're just going to have to get over it. Uh, so that leads into topic number one. Carson Wentz traded to the Commanders for two third-rounders. Uh, Brenty, what do you think about this trade? Obviously, it's a little surprising, but you kind of knew something was happening uh, with Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. So yeah, I, rumors and reports just came out, actually, that the Colts were really, really frustrated the way Carson Wentz handled that team and the way um, he was kind of disappointing leader this year. They thought he could come in and lead the team to a playoff, and he did not do that. He lost to the Jaguars, which eliminated them from that spot, and it was actually a tough player to coach for that coaching staff. So I was a little surprised by that, and for Carson Wentz to be traded to the Washington Commanders, that trade kind of makes sense, but I think they kind of reached here. You know, They were talking about how aggressive they're going to be to go get a franchise quarterback, to me, you, you might as well just do it with the draft at this point. You have Taylor Heineke there, which has proven to be a quarterback that knows your system these past two seasons. I understand he's not going to be the greatest guy for your system, but he's kind of like a he's not like Jimmy Garoppolo the way they play, but they can get the job done. And Jimmy Garoppolo to me would be a better trade than Carson Wentz. And they go out here, you know, they, they end up missing out on Russell Wilson. There's a you know very little talks about Aaron Rodgers, but you end up with Carson Wentz instead of a guy like Garoppolo. To me, that just, you swung and missed right there. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, obviously, they have the right idea in mind. They obviously need, you know, a quarterback, and I feel like they just missed. Um, I feel like there's other options out there that are better than Carson Wentz. Now, I was high on Carson Wentz on this show earlier in the year, but he, I mean, wow, he just did not go out and perform like I thought he would. Now, the Colts have now had a starting QB change for the fifth straight year in their organization. Andrew Locke, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and whoever this next guy is to start to start for the Colts. That'll be five straight years where they have a different starting quarterback than the year before. So Indianapolis obviously having some QB struggles. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that team can do uh, to get over the hump and finally find that you know quarterback that they need. So let me talk a little bit more about this Russell Wilson trade and how the Broncos sent a young quarterback piece in Drew Locke in return. Now, this is an interesting trade. You you get uh, Carson Wentz for two third-round picks. There was no quarterback involved. Taylor Heineke was not sent over, which kind of surprises me a little bit, that there was no QB to be sent toward Indianapolis's way. And now you have Sam Ellinger, who was their like, 
fifth or sixth round pick out of Texas. And Lane's pretty high on that guy and Sammy Heisman, but I do not think he's be their starting quarterback. It just kind of, you know, makes me scratch my head a little bit because there's no piece returning. You get two third round picks, which I'll be interested to see who's their quarterback next season. And we know how close this Colts team is to being a um, Super Bowl contender and a team that should have made to the playoffs last year if they had better quarterback play. So you just get rid of a guy who's pretty mediocre in Carson Wentz, and now you have nobody there. So that that just kind of, you know, surprised me a little bit that there was no peace in return. Now, I have a pretty good explanation, I think, to this situation here. I think I know why Taylor Heineke did not get involved in this trade, and that's because the Colts didn't want to feel the pressure to have to start Taylor Heineke next season. Um, I feel like if they wouldn't went on made this trade and they received Taylor Heineke in it, it's almost saying that, yeah, we're going to start Taylor Heineke next season. That's almost saying that I just traded my starting quarterback for a different starting quarterback. That's what it would have felt like if they would have gotten Taylor Heineke with the trade to go to Indianapolis. So that's why I feel like they would not have included him in the draft. Or not in the draft, in the uh, trade that just happened. And even before the years that Bryson mentioned, we're talking about guys like Andrew Luck. He, he actually started in 2016 as well. But the guy after that was Scott Tolzien. He ended up starting um, the 2017 season as the Colts starter because of Luck's injuries, uh, which we've seen uh, quite a bit in his career. And ever since he's left, they've now had a hole again to fill. And that's one thing that has really hurt the Colts, um, you know, their, their winning chances. And Jacoby Brissett was that guy a couple years ago, which maybe he returns. He's a free agent. Um, not a bad player in with the quarterback market, not only in the draft, but in free agency, it's pretty weak this year. So you, you might see like a guy like Jameis Winston return back to the Buccaneers, like that type of stuff happen. Cause you know, there's no other resort to go. I will say Carson Wentz was traded from Philly to the Colts for a third round pick. The Colts use that third round pick to trade up and get Devonte Smith. Now the Colts get in return two third-round picks for Carson Wentz. To me, that that's just really interesting. And I, I think they might be able to work things out there with the picks they have, and they could end up with a, a Desmond Ritter type of player with, that, with those picks they just got. Yeah, for sure. So now we're going to go uh, into topic number two of the day, which is all these franchise tag updates. The franchise tag deadline was a couple of days ago, and you saw – you know, a lot of teams making some last-minute franchise tags. And no, most notably probably would be Packers signing Devontae Adams to a franchise tag and the Buccaneers signing Chris Godwin. Um, those are the two that stick out to me. Brandon, what are two that stick out to you, or are there more than two that stick out to you? I think a big one here that will go under the radar is Cam Robinson of the Jaguars. He's their left tackle, a Pro Bowl guy, and the Jaguars not getting too much coverage because of how bad they've been. But this guy is uh, one of their bright spots on the offensive line. He's going to keep Trevor Lawrence's jersey pretty clean. And he's going to help him hopefully have a long career and not get hit, sacked on the on the turf all the time. So that's a big one because a lot of mock drafts, you see them taking Evan Neal out of Alabama. Um, and a left tackle is what their need was going to be because people thought they wouldn't be able to afford Cam Robinson. So now to get him back, and with that first overall pick, you might see an Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, being selected there. So it kind of changes the direction that franchise goes. And my second one, I guess a under-radar one as well, is Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys. 
He gets this franchise tag, and if he was to go elsewhere, to me, he would have ruined his career. You probably would have got a big offer from a team like the Jets or the Jaguars who have a lot of money to give, who need a tight end. So he would have went there with a young team that was a disaster, and you probably wouldn't have got the targets you would have now with Dallas and Dak Prescott. So I'm actually surprised the amount of tight ends they got franchise tagged this year. Look at David Njoku of the Cleveland Browns. And then obviously, like I said, Dalton Schultz and Mike Gusecki of the Dolphins. So those two kind of are my notable players that got franchise tagged. I think that the organizations made the right decision by doing so because you probably wouldn't be able to afford them if you didn't have that franchise tag. Yeah, another one that sticks out to me here, the Bengals franchise taking Jesse Bates, safety. Um, now, his stats don't really jump out to you, only one interception all this year, but he's only 24 years old, and in his first four seasons, he started, in his first year, he started 16 games. 16 games his second year, 16 games his third year, and 15 games this last season. So obviously, he is a key piece to that defense of a young, upcoming team that just made a Super Bowl run. So keeping a piece like that on your defense, who is now becoming a young superstar, but now is getting a little bit of veteran leadership. He's starting to learn you know, all these different things about the league. So going into year five, this is a key piece for them because he's still right in the middle of his prime, and he's going to start to learn more and more about defense and where to, what to do in certain situations. So I feel like this is a huge uh, franchise tag for the Bengals. Yeah, Jesse Bates and the Bengals have been trying to get a contract done for years now. So that's big for them, and hopefully they can get some negotiations done and reach a long-term deal. Also, some other notable names. You got Orlando Brown of the Chiefs. You know, he's Patrick Mahomes' left tackle. One of the reasons why their offense looked pretty sharp at the end of the year, you know, they're protecting Patrick. Uh, David Njoku, which I think surprised a lot of people that the Browns franchise tagged him. Backup tight end. Kind of emerged as the starter over Austin Hooper, though. Uh, I think we covered everybody else. Like Bryson said, Devontae Adams is the big one. He gets to reunite with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for at least one more year. I'm thinking Green Bay will try to get a contract done with him. Bryson, is there any players on this list that you're not a fan of that teams uh, franchise take some of these guys? Yeah, I don't think Chris Godwin is worth the franchise take for the Buccaneers. Um, I said that it was a notable name, and he is. He's one of the top wide receivers in the league but I just feel like you franchise tag him last year you franchise tag him again this year there's probably a good chance he might hold out this season I mean I know he's going to be injured for most of the season I believe he has a torn ACL correct so I mean obviously that'll keep him out most of the year so I just don't see why you would want to bring him back on a one-year deal where he's not even going to be able to play and I feel like that they could have just let him walk and for Chris Godwin this makes no sense as well because, well, I mean, it kind of does in his situation if you look at it this way. Uh, this is probably the only way he's going to get paid this year is if he signs a franchise tag for one year because he's not going to be able to play this season. So teams would probably stray away from that and not want to sign him until next season when he would actually be able to play. And they wouldn't want to take that much of a salary hit. So the Buccaneers taking a little leap of faith with Chris Godwin to see if they can get a long-term deal done during this season so that they don't have to franchise tag him for a third straight year. Yeah, and the one thing Green Bay did was to bring Aaron or uh, Devontae Adams back so they can keep Aaron Rodgers happy. Finally on the show, we can 
we didn't really break news, but we're going to let people know that Aaron Rodgers is back. Four-year deal worth $200 million. At least that was what it was reported. So we're just going to give our thoughts on that deal. Because as Packer fans, I'll tell you one thing. I am extremely excited to know that we have our franchise quarterback around, and I don't really have to worry about a rebuild. I don't have to worry about watching a team you know, kind of start from the beginning with no veteran guys anymore and just try to watch the Detroit Lions 2.0 type of team, which I think Green Bay would be would be that caliber if Aaron Rodgers left. To me, we don't have enough cap space. We'd have to we'd have to go through a lot of young pieces um, and have them develop, Jordan Love included. So, Bryson, what are your thoughts on this new deal? I mean, are you are you glad that Aaron's back, or uh, I guess where do you stand on this? Well, uh. Obviously, the deal has not been publicized yet. ESPN's Ian Rappaport quote, uh, said that there was a four-year, $200 million deal, but Pat McAfee, uh, if you watch his show, he was putting X's all over that on his show uh, yesterday. So that deal is probably not the correct deal. Now, I do believe it's a four-year deal, but I don't know if anybody knows the extent of how much money he's going to be making, and I feel like it's uh, going to be cap-friendly. So obviously, this one-year uh, that was left on his contract, that would be replaced with year one of his new four-year deal if that were to happen. If it was a four-year deal, he would have four years left, not five, because of the one year he still had left on his prior contract. That gets voided, and now he has four more years left on his contract. So now, I mean, as a Packers fan, I absolutely love this. Now, I don't know if I would want to pay him $200 million um, now I'm looking at what Seattle was able to do with Russell Wilson, and now they have so many draft picks, and they have Drew Locke, who isn't terrible, but obviously won't be. Uh, he won't be your, you know, franchise quarterback. I don't believe. Now maybe this new system, maybe he does, you know, develop into that franchise quarterback, but I don't believe that will happen. So, you know, Seattle got so many draft picks for that, and if you're gonna pay Aaron Rodgers two hundred million dollars, that's quite the cap investment. So, I mean, to me, it would have been worth trading Aaron Rodgers to get that many draft picks and that much in return, knowing that we have a guy that's supposedly supposed to be the next starter in Green Bay sitting behind Aaron Rodgers ready to go. I believe that it wouldn't have been that much of a leap of faith if we could get that much draft stock back for Aaron Rodgers. But obviously, happy to have the guy back. I mean, he's the GOAT in Green Bay. I mean, to have him and Brett Favre back-to-back, that's definitely something Packers fans should not take for granted because you see all these teams with quarterback struggles and we've been just chilling here with two uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks over the last three, four decades. So, Yeah, I totally agree, but I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about Jordan Love and the situation. Now, it's reported that Aaron Rodgers' new deal will help the Packers' salary cap. For the people that see the $200 million and they, you know, they're, they're not, that are not Packers fans, and they'll end up like saying, well, good luck, Green Bay, with uh, your salary cap issues now. Cause people know we're in the we're in the hole right now, but we're gonna fu- you know we're gonna figure things out with restructuring and uh, releasing some players. And it's reported though, as I was saying, 153 million dollars of his 200 million dollar deal is a bonus related. So the 47 million dollars is over the next four years. So it's 153 million though, it's supposed to be a bonus and incentive type deal. So that would help Green Bay out majorly and it would allow us to go out and sign some free agents still and still somewhat be aggressive still add pieces and we'll be able to maneuver around a little bit hopefully this year and try to add some pieces 
You know, I I know Green Bay did restructure Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari. Uh, I don't know how much we made by doing that. I know Preston Smith right now is in the works of restructuring. Kenny Clark has done it for Green Bay as well. So we got to also try to go out there and sign pieces like Devondre Campbell, Rasul Douglas. So we're going to have to, like I said, do some work. Aaron Rodgers, priority number one. Devontae, priority number two. So like I said, we got some work to do big time. I will ask Bryson, though, you talked about Jordan Love, and you said we got a guy that's supposedly ready. I do not think Jordan Love is ready. I've been really harsh on Jordan Love. But when you got a guy that, to me now, has his confidence shattered, He's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. Going to be year number three next year. Haven't really been given an opportunity. And when Green Bay pretty much trades up to get you, you're supposed to be their guy for two years. Aaron Rodgers balls out, pretty much shuts off the haters, proves the organization that he is their guy still, and he has so much football left in the tank. And that that leaves Jordan Love to that backup role. Green Bay's going to have to move him. And wherever he goes, I'm going to tell you, I feel bad for whatever team he's going to join. This guy's got a bunch of talent. But the one thing the scouts raved about him was how high his ceiling was, kind of like the Malik Willis, and how low his floor is. This guy could be a total bust. And now he's been sent behind a Hall of Fame quarterback, which you can say he's learning, but he hasn't had much game time. Hasn't had much game time, and now he's going to probably be moved out of Green Bay and forced into a system you know, if he goes to a Colts team or something, maybe it'll help him out. But if he goes to a struggling organization, he could be out of the league before you know it. So so what are your thoughts on Jordan Love and what are the direction Green Bay is going to go with him? Now, I don't know if they will move him unless it's the perfect deal. Like if someone's willing to give up a second rounder for Jordan Love, I feel like we should take that because it almost gives us back that pick that we completely wasted on a quarterback when we had an MVP quarterback sitting there. Uh, but, you know, I don't believe that, looking back on the draft, I don't know who else we could have picked other than Jordan Love at that time. I mean, Patrick Queen, maybe. But to me, there wasn't any other guys that were, like, waiting behind him that we could have picked at any other position. So, and if there was doubt that Aaron Rodgers, you know, didn't like Green Bay, didn't want to be in Green Bay, then, I mean, why not go pick a pick a quarterback? So there's two sides to this argument. And I feel like, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I mean, I feel it's like we're waiting a really long time for this to progress and develop. But, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, I guess. I mean, I, I don't see it, but we'll have to wait and see on this one because this is going to be a long progression. He might not start till he's 30 years old. I mean, every, everything has value to it. And look at Jordan Love. You said we have to wait until the deal's right. But we're not going to wait where his contract's up. So we can't have him, you know, after his contract year is done, all of a sudden he's a free agent, so we get nothing. Right now is when you have to move Jordan Love. Right now. And what I was going to say, what I think is value, we got a car. You buy a car, brand new, right? That is the highest point of its value. That's the best it's going to get. You keep adding miles to it, you can't sell it for how much you got it. So Jordan Love right now, this is the peak of his value for Green Bay. And I was going to say one more thing. You said maybe you wasted a pick. The Rams just proven this year. Picks don't mean shit. They traded so many first-round picks for Matt Stafford. Look at that. Super Bowl champs. So all I'm going to say is it was just one pick. And, you know, you're definitely right, though. Green Bay might have messed up on this one. 
we're just hoping that doesn't come back and really bite us in the butt because I don't, you know, but if Jordan Love goes somewhere and becomes a Hall of Famer, that'd be absolutely crazy. Yeah, I agree. It, it would be really weird and a really in, interesting situation if you were to go somewhere else and become this Hall of Fame quarterback, which I don't believe will happen. So now we're going to talk about the NFL Combine here. So, Brenty, I want to know, who are your five winners of the NFL Combine? I've got one winner for you, and it's because I feel like he had the best. Uh, I've got two winners for you, actually. I've got, I feel like we're going to have the same one here, Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. We had uh, his quarterback on the show last time. He was amazing at it. You'll go into depth on him. But another guy that I saw on draft day or combine day, Pierre Strong Jr. out of my South Dakota State Jackrabbits. He had such a great combine. He scored like a 9.9 something on a test that only goes up to 10. And he ran the fastest, tied for the fastest 40 time out of all running backs. I mean, this dude proved that he can be an NFL running back. And I feel like he might have hopped up some NFL draft boards after this week's performance at the Combine. So, Brent, I'm just asking you your top five winners, and I'll, I'll tell you my five losers at the end of this. Perfect, man. So I'm going to start off the winners here, and I probably could have named any Georgia Bulldog, by the way. They completely showed up, and it just showed how dominant their defense was this year. And look at some guys on that defensive front, um, some of their defensive backs. They're returning next year for the Bulldogs, so they're, they're still going to be very good. But the guys that entered, you're looking at uh, Jordan Davis. What a performance he had out there during those events. 341 pounds, and I tell you one thing, those big guys like that are not supposed to move that fast. He ran a 4.840. Set the NFL record, I believe, for defense alignment or for players over 300 pounds for the uh, the best vertical jump and broad jump for a D lineman. So that's really impressive. And the one thing scouts were really concerned about and they questioned was his production up the middle in that Georgia's defense. You know, they knew he was a great run stuffer, but did he have what it takes to be a pass rusher, which is why in mock drafts you've seen him fall a little bit more because we, we couldn't really tell if that production was going to, you know, get him five sacks a year at the NFL level, but it seems like he can do that because he provided that big-time burst and that top-end speed, and it looks like he'll be able to do that at the NFL level. So that's a big thing. So Jordan Davis comes number one. Number two, Akeem Aquanu out of NC State, the big man. They also call him Icky. Pretty good nickname there, and he was uh, pretty solid in the drills this week. Uh, you know, he kind of separated himself from some of those linemen, and a lot of buzz was around and surrounding his name as he rolls up draft boards. A big guy, he can move pretty swift. He looks like, he looks just so smooth for his size as he glides around. And uh, the one thing I will say is before the Jaguars tag Cam Robinson, I thought this guy could leap over Evan Neal from Alabama and be that first tackle taken, the first overall pick. That's how big time I think Akeem Aquanu is. But unfortunately, like I said, they ended up tagging somebody. So I'm looking at a team like the Jets to maybe uh, swim in here and grab Akeem. Number three, you did mention Tariq Woolen the former wide receiver converted corner. He's a big dude. We're talking 6'4", 205. And you can tell his ball skills, like when they did the corner drills, it looked pretty easy. It was pretty routine for him. You can tell why he was a wide receiver. Um, also a track star. And I tell you one thing, you know, we were hearing all about this 4 2 
Woolen ended up running a 4-2-6, and that speed transition transitioned over to the field as well for the drills. Um, his combination of speed and length, the size, that's exactly what a defensive coach's dream is. So I can see him climbing up a lot of boards as well, maybe being that early second-round pick. Number four, Kelvin Austin, the third out of Memphis. Now, Kelvin Austin, the third, he's a really interesting player because he's so small, a great route runner, really shifty, staying at 5'9", but just a lack of size there as well. He's only weighing around, around 160, so that might not transition well to the NFL. You know, corners that press him might be able to, you know, take him for a ride a little bit and shove him off his routes, but he did run a 4'3'2", uh, which was the fastest out of the first group of receivers. And then he had a 39-inch vertical, which was absolutely insane. 11-inch broad jump as well. So that kind of um, put his name up there in the top amongst receivers. And a guy that could have went as an undrafted free agent now climbs his way into a day three or higher pick. He also impressed at the Senior Bowl. So this is a guy that you know could really work his way up as a receiver amongst those guys that he competed with. But unfortunately... We've seen how fast a lot of those guys ran. So, you know, we're going to have to see where Austin falls. Now, number five, we thought I'd maybe go a segment or a episode without talking about Malik Willis. But, man, I, I got to put his name in the conversation again. Um, it's just It would be disrespectful at that point if I didn't. And I know, Bryson, you kind of talked about how maybe he would not be able to go into the NFL level and uh, learn the NFL schemes and the offenses because he didn't really run a experienced or difficult system at Liberty. But the one thing the teams were so surprised about was about how smart he was and how he can diagnose a defense and how quick he was at, you know, pointing out his progressions. So that's one thing to really boost a, a draft stock. And he may not be the most polished player, but a lot of the quarterbacks this year aren't. The one thing about him, is how much raw talent he has. He's a runner. He's a passer. He just made a lot of throws look really easy. You know, 60-plus yards, it was nothing to him. So Malik Willis, man, I I think he's really climbed in that number one quarterback. He surpassed Kenny Pickett. And especially with that hand size, you know, they're questioning Kenny Pickett's. There was no question about Malik Willis. Yeah, you just mentioned my uh, one of my top five anyways. Uh, he's my number five. Uh, Kenny Pickett is my number five biggest loser of this draft just because, I mean, it looked like he could make all the throws, but his hand size, I mean, he could end up like Drew Brees, who was criticized for small hands, but he had it, he was completely fine, you know, Hall of Fame career. But it is something in cold weather games. He did have some fumble problems in Pittsburgh, and teams might not want to take the chance of having someone who's fumble prone. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see, but his arm talent did look good enough to be an NFL quarterback. Now, this list is full of quarterbacks. My number four biggest loser, Matt Corral, because he didn't participate, and he is still injured, and he has not proven to any teams that he is ready to be an NFL quarterback. Now, he did look good in the season, but he got hurt in the bowl game, and we haven't seen anything from him since that. So it'll be interesting to see what teams want to do with him, not seeing a lot from him lately. So that's my number four. My number three, another quarterback, Carson Strong out of Nevada. Um, he just lack of touch all day, all at the combine. Uh, he can absolutely launch the football, but, uh, you know, he doesn't really have an idea of where it's going sometimes. He just lets it go, kind of Brett Favre style. He can just sling it out there, and he doesn't really know 
uh, you know, where it's going all the time. So my number two wide receiver, David Bell out of Purdue. Um, he's a solid wide receiver. He was good in college, but uh, he did not test well athletically at all during the combine. He ran a 4.6440 as a slot receiver, and he had a 33-inch vertical, and his broad jump was sub-10 foot. So, uh, you know, with other wide receivers rising, he, you know, kind of slipped down that list of people that were, you know, he got replaced up at the top. And speaking of people that got replaced at the top, uh, wide receiver Kyle Phillips out of UCLA also slipped uh, down the draft board just because of the rise of other wide receivers. I mean, he had the opposite day as Bell. He tested well but struggled with ball skills. Like, he could not catch the ball sometimes. And, you know, I don't know, man. He's so athletic, tested so well in the 40 time, broad jump, all that stuff. But his hands, you know, they started to, you know, not prove themselves capable of being that, you know, number one, number two wide receiver in the league. And, you know, catching the ball is pretty important to be a wide receiver. So, I mean, if you don't have good enough hands to do it, teams are not going to look at you as someone who they want as a wide receiver on their team. So our last segment of the day here, uh, Russell Wilson got traded. Uh, If you guys didn't hear about it, uh, blockbuster trade, um, Seattle to Denver. So, Brent, I want your thoughts here. What what are some things that stick out to you about this trade? And, I mean, talk to me about it. So, you did mention early in the show on, like, how Seattle got all these pieces in return of trading Russell Wilson. And I agree. And people are going to be, like, all hating on the Seattle Seahawks team. They're not, they're not going to be anything next year. All a total rebuild. You get rid of um, Bobby Wagner. But I hate to tell you, Bobby Wagner is not even their better, best linebacker on their team. It's Jordan Brooks, who they drafted out of Texas Tech last year with the first-round pick. He's their best linebacker already. And Bobby Wagner, I hate to say he's washed, but he might not be fully yet. He's definitely declining. And you get rid of an older player that had a good um, salary cap hold on you guys, Freeze in space, Russell Wilson, the same thing. He ain't no young buck anymore. 33, 34 years old now. He's actually right behind Matthew Stafford. So I think this trade was actually good for them. Now Denver, they get Russ in a fourth-round pick. Seattle gets Drew Locke, who was a second-round pick at one time. Noah Fant, a first-round tight end a couple years back. Starting defensive tackle Shelby Harris, who's a great run-stopper, has improved his pass rush abilities as the last couple seasons has gone on. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. I hate to say Seattle won this trade, and I know you're going to call me nuts for this. The quarterbacks in that division for Denver, I hate to say it, Russell Wilson will never win that division. Never. Seattle wins this trade for me. I 100% agree with you. I I couldn't have said it any better myself. I was tr- I'm was i trying to tell people, man, Seattle, yes, they're going into rebuild mode. They just dropped Bobby Wagner, but for a good reason. He was getting old. He was not the best linebacker on that team anymore. And, I mean, you just traded Russ. So, I mean, it was a good time to just get rid of Bobby Wagner, free up some cap space. I mean, if you're talking about a rebuild, this is the best situation to get yourself to rebuild that you could even ask for. You have so many draft picks. You have young talent like Drew Locke, Noah Fant. I mean, you have some offensive pieces coming back to you. And you just mentioned the other reason I love this trade for Seattle. This makes no sense for Denver because they're in such a powerhouse division. Like, 
you're going to have to play against Pat Mahomes, Derek Carr, and Justin Herbert twice. Six, six of your games are against top competitive quarterbacks. And your quarterback is just another one of those guys that are just top of the league. But that division is so hard to win in. I don't believe that Denver is even going to be a contender, much less win their division. And they might prove me wrong, but, you know, I don't... Like, we, we mentioned Nathaniel Hackett before on the show as well. And I don't really understand what led them to doing this, hiring Nathaniel Hackett. Now, Russell Wilson means nothing if you guys can't, you know, put together a scheme that fits. And I believe that they reached on Nathaniel Hackett just a little bit. And I feel like how much of Nathaniel Hackett's success was due to Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I mean, I it just seemed like Rodgers was just force-feeding the ball to Devontae half the time. So it'll be interesting to see what, Hackett can do with an another star quarterback. So you said Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers and how they pretty much ran the show there in Green Bay, but Hackett wasn't even the play caller. It was Matt LaFleur. Now, Hackett does have play calling experience. He was doing that in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles, which they made the AFC Championship game somehow. So, yeah. I mean, I guess that's one bright side for Nathaniel Hackett's resume. But other than that, I don't know, man. You've been in Green Bay with, with the best quarterback, maybe of all time. The greatest talent at quarterback of all time in Aaron Rodgers. And you go to Denver, who at one point yesterday didn't have a franchise guy. They missed out on Aaron Rodgers, but they come back with a, you know, with their second, you know, their plan B to say. They get Russ, which is a solid quarterback. People say Russ is washed. He's not. He had a thumb injury last year that you try throwing a, a football with a broken thumb on your throwing hand. It's pretty difficult. I think Russ will be healthy and, and back at it next year playing at 100%. And he may give you a lot more wins than what you've had. He might get you over that 500 hump. But Bryson, you said it, dude. Six games of the year against, you know, top-notch competition. Best quarterbacks, you know, all in one division, it seems. Justin Herbert's going to be probably top three next year. He's already trying to fight for that right now. So, he's going to have some trouble, I think. I don't think Denver fans will be too happy. And they have a, they have decent pieces. Their defense is very solid. Um, but, you know, getting Ross on the offensive side, you're losing Melvin Gordon probably. I will say one more thing, though, too, and how these two teams in Green Bay, Nathaniel Hackett coached, and now Denver, they're pretty similar, actually. You bring in Ross, who's a top-five quarterback. Aaron Rodgers, like a franchise-type guy. And you have your Devontae Adams, who could be Jerry Judy. It could be Tim Patrick. It could be Cortland Sutton. you got three guys to choose from right there. Now you get rid of Noah Fant, so you really don't got a tight end, so that's that's kind of like Green Bay. Now Green Bay has a decent offensive line. Denver's is, as we talked in our um, rebuild Denver type of thing last week, that we you know tried to rebuild their team. We didn't have this Russell Wilson scenario in there at all. But we talked about their you know middle-of-the-pack offensive line. So Russell Wilson is going to deal with the middle of the pack on the line, but at least now they can focus on one thing, getting that offensive line rebuilt. So, I mean, you're looking at a decent team, man. You, you bring Melvin Gordon back. You got the two-way to backfield, uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. That's kind of like the Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon type of, type of backfield. So pretty similar teams, actually. So Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. It's kind of like that, but 2.0 in Denver. Yeah, I don't believe that they're as good as that for people, but I do like the comparison there. 
Uh, and you want to know what? Seattle fans, you just kind of have to get over it, guys. That was the national holiday of the day today. Get o- National get over it day. And Denver, just get over it. You guys are not winning that division. You guys might not even make the playoffs in the next two, three years. I mean, I don't see you guys winning that division in so many years to come because of those quarterbacks in that division. I don't know. You guys are going to have to get over it. So you have picked number nine here at Seattle. Who are you taking? I mean, are you reaching that quarterback or are you trying to rebuild that linebacker core? I mean, is Devin Lloyd out of Utah available? Are you going to Kobe Dean? Like what's, are you going corner? Because like your defense is no Legion of Boom anymore, right? You got, you got to rebuild somewhere, but at the same time, they're young. They got DK Metcalf. They got some decent pieces and offense to build around. Uh, yeah, and number nine, I'm first going to look at taking uh, either N'Kobe Dean or uh, the linebacker out of Utah. Those are my top two picks right there. I mean, the Buccaneers showed last year how much having good linebackers is, how crucial it is to winning games defensively. Uh, so having game-wrecking linebackers, I mean, drastically helps your chances of winning. So I would first look at linebacker, but then I'm going you know, the sauce gardener probably at corner. Um, I do not believe they should go quarterback here just because I do believe that Drew Locke deserves a second chance somewhere else. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, take it as what it is, but you're going to have to at some point get that defense coming back to what it was like at the Legion of Boom. And Seattle's kind of in the same predicament. Their division is so good. Like, San Fran's good. Arizona's good. Uh, Los Angeles just won a Super Bowl. I mean, that division is stacked. And, I mean, I don't know what else you're supposed to do if you're Seattle other than just, you know, try racking up a defense that can combat those, you know, heavy-duty offenses in that division. Now, this does this kind of surprise you, Bryson? We talked about it as well, I mean, months back. Um, we, You know, I think it was, maybe it was midway through the year, actually. Pete Carroll. We both agreed that if Seattle was to go through a rebuild, they'd go in a different direction at head coach. They keep the old man Pete Carroll around, who seems like he's been been there forever, probably almost 70-something years old. They keep him around during a rebuild year, probably for next year just to get fired. Does this make any sense to you at all? Like, what are what is Seattle doing here with Pete Carroll at the helm still? So. I yeah, I don't know what they're doing here. I would get rid of Pete Carroll. I mean, he's had a good, you know, tenure at Seattle, but I feel like it's time to move on. You're already, you know, buying into this rebuild. Might as well just tear the whole house down. Um, so I believe that they should definitely get rid of Pete Carroll, find someone new, young, to come in and coach this young team. You mentioned that it's a young team. Get someone young to come coach it, bring some new ideas, maybe it'll work out, but that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, you know, I know you guys are sad that the episode's over, but you just have to get over it, I guess. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And we will be back on Friday. So uh, we do have a special guest on the show coming on Friday, I believe. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. And uh, we'll catch you on Friday.